Welcome to Product by Design with Kyle and Eva, a podcast about product management and product design, where we'll talk about subjects from product strategy to inclusive design. Every episode, we just have a good conversation about all the things that you may already know or not know, and occasionally we'll have a guest from maybe engineering or other product managers and designers to talk about all these topics. All right, welcome back to another episode of Product by Design with Kyle and Eva. How's it going, Eva? Good morning and good day. And I just want to point out that I woke up really early this morning. I'm a new person. It is not a new year, <laughs> but here we are on a Saturday. I do feel like most podcasts they don't they don't talk about. Well, I mean, not that they intentionally never do this, but people want it to be timeless or whatever, right? Relevant to the time when you're listening, listeners. And they don't talk about the time or or date as much, but I just really want to point out, I woke up at six on a Saturday, yeah. which I don't remember when the last time I, you know, woke up before nine on a Saturday was. We're, we're coming. Yeah. We're coming at you early on a Saturday morning. That's dedication right there Yep. for you, yeah. de- for you, dear listeners. Yes. It is nine 30 right now. It's not no longer <laughs> six o'clock. Just want to make that very clear. <laughs> So yeah, good morning. How 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 are things? Doing good. Yeah, everything everything is is uh, really good. It's like a beautiful Saturday morning. So excited to to get started. But yeah, everything's good. How how are you doing? You are like in the midst of a whole bunch of like exciting stuff happening in life right now. <sighs> yes. I don't know if you're referring to wedding planning because that's the top of mind of what's happening, yeah. and it's been. A roller coaster of like, okay, we're gonna have invites like to to today. Oh, okay, there's too much work. Okay, tomorrow and the day after and the day <laughs> after. So we also are not printing in invites and doing a website, and we're trying we're trying to like make it okay. There's expectations, right? Like I'm just saying, yeah. considering my husband and I both work in you know the tech industry, there's expectations that. <laughs> Right. Our friends and family probably don't have, but we do. <laughs> we we're expecting that they have expectations towards what they're gonna see. Interesting. Okay. And hopefully by the time that this episode goes out, the invites are also out. <laughs> so we've been we've been trying to send send the invites out for two months. So uh actually, no, I should say a year and a half since we posted the <laughs> wedding. <laughs> so yeah, it's been great. And we're really close. There's just so many things in there that I'm so excited about. And listeners, I'm sorry, you won't, you won't get one, but (laughs) I, yeah, I mean, we might have set up an email campaign on (laughs) MailChimp to, to manage all our (laughs) invites and it's going to be a good experience. So interesting. Well, that's okay. I find this really intriguing. So you're going to have like actual, like actual physical invitations as well as no, no, no printing. So no, no printed invitations, but email invitations yeah. as well as like a website. And it's all yep. going to be like interconnected. So like a really good user experience, I'm assuming. That's the <gasps> Okay. <laughs> I'm so glad you mentioned the the connection because because okay, this uh, this is gonna be a three hour long episode, <laughs> but I definitely try to oh well, okay, I'm not an engineer, nowhere near. I do conceptually understand tech, <laughs> which really helps with my day-to-day at work. 
Um, but I'll tell you, I really tried to pass perimeters from, you know, MailChimp mm-hmm. <laughs> to like Squarespace and then get it back to my type form. And it's like way over what the original scope was. <laughs> and, yeah. and it's one of those things that it's like, I can just tinker with it. I love tinkering. I know Kyle, you're one of those crazy yeah. people like me that like to tinker. Right. And I love trying it out and learning new things that really don't really come, you know, back into my life ever again, which is fine. <laughs> I just want to know that I'm able to do it, but, um, it's too much work. It was too much work. So I yes. stopped, but that was, that was my plan at one point. Um, could have hired somebody if we did that a year ago, but mm-hmm. now here we are months away, not many months, but few months yeah. away. So got to adjust the scope. Um, again, that's very handy when, my husband also understands what we're talking about here. So, so yeah, that, that's been really fun. And now we just have to do the other 500 other things to actually put the event itself together. Yeah. So yeah, it's very exciting. And I don't want to do it again. <laughs> it's so much work. Yeah. 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 What, what did you guys do when, when you got married? Uh, no, this was a long time ago. So, um, we did the paper invitation. I was about 65, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. Man. No, no, it wasn't quite that long ago. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was probably a bit more traditional, but yeah, we did uh, just paper invitations. So um, I designed them all. So of course I did. Uh, yeah. But did it all in like Photoshop and Illustrator, uh, put it all together and then we got them printed out and sent them all. And yeah, I don't think we, even I'm trying to remember, I don't think we did any sort of uh, website or anything like that, but the, I think the only like real innovation was, um, you know, we had like, we registered at places, but we also like the new, a newer thing was like being able to register for just like, um, a, like a bank account where people could just like, um, basically give like cash. There were things like, Venmo and, and other like cash apps and, and that sort of thing. They, that wasn't like uh very right. pop, popular or prominent. So with our bank, just being able to like give a, an easy way for people to just give us oh. like cash gifts because we were traveling. So we were, my wife isn't from the same place that I am. So we were traveling for our, our reception and then oh, driving wow. back. So anyway, we, yeah, we had um, a place where people could just give like cash gifts so that when we went to our reception in Texas, uh, we weren't trying to put a whole bunch of, of gifts oh. into our car and then yes. bring them all back as we five kitchen aids. Yeah, exactly. Driving back. <laughs> and so we were, uh, but as far as like technology yeah. and stuff like that, we weren't, uh, we didn't set up a whole bunch of, uh, an email campaign or, or websites or anything like that, but now we would for sure. That sounds super exciting. Right. Yeah. Was it over five years ago when you guys got married? Yeah. So we were celebrating our 13 year anniversary this year. <gasps> this year. Whoa. Easy, easy. Yeah. That's a lot of years. Congrats. Yep. Thanks. That's crazy. <laughs> I don't think you could have done much, <laughs> but like without having a full on, you know, developer or, or whatever to support, you know, that, that. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, it, it wasn't nearly as easy as it is now. For sure. I'm actually surprised that you mentioned like having the bank account, basically have people send money into it. Like that sounds nice. Yeah, it wasn't. And again, like it's, 
it's super, I feel like it's super easy now because you just have all of the the options, but yeah. it was, I feel like it was a newer thing then, which we set up. Cause again, like we were, we had a car that we were driving back from right. Texas to Utah and we're like, we cannot fit a significant <laughs> amount of gifts if we get them at a reception down there right. into our car. So like, we have to, we have to come right. up with some easy way for people to, if they want to give us yeah. gifts to make them not large. And so anyway, that was right. And probably wasn't as easy to do like, a, oh, registry, send it to, you know, the person's home instead of giving it to you physically. Because nowadays I know yep. people go to Amazon and they can also do do like a group pitch in thing, send it to, you know, yep. the person. It's like super easy nowadays. So yeah, not nearly as easy back then. It's, it's so, I mean, you think of how we've come, how far we've That's come. So, All of that sure. stuff is super easy now, but it was not, it wasn't the same back then decade a deck over a decade ago so wow that is wow i i wow that's seriously it's a different time period yeah. <laughs> it feels like as yeah. far as like the internet world goes yep. that universe yep. that's like three decades in the internet <laughs> yeah. internet universe yeah. i think yeah yeah that's really crazy to me but yeah nowadays we're just gonna pop up a you know website that you click through the email we're putting emojis in there yeah. <laughs> it's like all these things emojis not not a thing 12 years ago either right oh man so hard to remember probably not i don't even know. i don't remember when yeah. anything happened yeah yeah no they just kind of naturally came in yeah. yeah they did and yeah now they're everywhere and now you can't even remember a time without them you're like when did that happen i don't know exactly and I, I am almost certain that emojis did not happen 12 years ago. And, and I also am glad that you didn't print any emojis into your invites. <laughs> we didn't though that looking back, that might've been cool. Have, have we been at the forefront of something like that? Oof. I almost don't want to Google that. Like emoji <laughs> wedding invites. I, I'm sure people have done it. Probably, Probably shouldn't do it. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's, that, that, that was a lot more than what I was, um, it's just always this, every time when anyone asks me like about wedding planning, I give them this, this whole speech of my mental journey, and <laughs> the, the progress and basically the, the up, updates, like I'm sending an email to the executive team, just like, here's where things are at and this is how I'm feeling. But yeah, um, very exciting and we'll see, but it's springtime. I also want to go outside. We're doing garden boxes and everything. So that's new. Yeah. Kyle, give me something more to work with. How's your, how's your week and what's going on in your life? No. Yeah. We're doing the same. So we're going to plant our garden probably today and tomorrow. It's, it's Mother's yeah. Day weekend. So you may not be listening to this on Mother's Day weekend, but hopefully for any mothers out there, happy Mother's Day or uh, in the past, happy mother's day. And that's what we're doing. So that's kind of, that kind of marks Yay. the planting time for us is when mother's day weekend hits, that's usually garden and flower planting time. So that's what we're going to do. I think I learned that from standing in the middle of the home depot. Somebody were, some, some people were talking about that yeah. next to us. And I was kind of like, wait, what is that about? <laughs> yep. That's how I found out about the mother's day as like the season season has begun. Yeah. And that's so cool. I yeah, didn't know that. That's, yeah. I, I don't know. It, it must, I don't know when that is, or I'll have to look that up, but maybe that's like a longstanding tradition. But that's when we always did it as kids too, is like we would go get flowers and plants and stuff uh, as kids 
and plant mm, them okay. in our, plant our garden and plant flowers and stuff on Mother's Day weekend. So that's uh, and both of my parents grew up on farms. So I'm just I'm assuming this is some right. sort of like actual good yeah like a real thing down from yeah from right. farming traditions because they they would know better than I would. But that's what we do. Do we do any anything on what is that day for dad? Dad's day? No, Father's day. Yeah, we grill. Is there any? Yep. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we have in a general of like Father's Day, grill. Mother's grill. Day, we plant. <laughs> yeah, plant and grill. Those are the two things. Oh, that's so funny. I know we're definitely not grilling on Father's Day. Probably would be doing something, I don't know, less grilling. But yeah, that's, I look forward to that too, though. Yeah. That's the day that where brunch places are all filled up also. Mother's Day? And, uh, and I keep day. wanting to say dad's day. Yeah. <laughs> dad's day. Yeah. But uh, this year I'm not going out to brunch for sure, but um, I'm trying to think of a good segue. Okay. Speaking of flowers and planting things in a garden, um, flowers are good features in your garden. <laughs> <laughs> Would you agree? <laughs> they make, they make the, the yard. So you need to have them. <laughs> Being able to grill on Father's Day, having a grill in your backyard, that's a good feature. (laughs) (laughs) And what are we talking about today? So (laughs) uh, today we're talking about uh, successful and unsuccessful features uh, and what makes things, what makes features successful and unsuccessful. And we're going to take a look at a few examples. I think this is going to be really interesting look at some things that we've worked on and then some things that uh, uh, other companies have done and what has made those either products or features successful and then you know what has caused some of those things to to fail and so uh, both from some personal experience and then from some outsider perspective looking in so i'm i'm excited i think this is going to be a good conversation yep and I feel like I am going to complain about a lot of things just looking on my notes because there's so many things that have gone wrong in the history of features. And <laughs> I'm going to try to be careful because who knows? Yeah. I know we have talked about Google a lot and how much we don't like certain things they do. <laughs> um, today will be a continuation of that, at least from my angle. But yeah, let's talk about features. And I'm very curious, like from your side of the table um, or... Google Meet from your side of Google Meet. What is your personal general feelings or thoughts on just features? Let's start there. Yeah. Well, let me, I'll, I'll even start with an example. And I think this might illustrate like some things that kind of work and, uh, and why, Uh, because I think that for, for me, you know, features uh, are really about solving a specific problem. So like, what is it that we're, that we're trying to solve and how is that helping, uh, users uh, with some sort of specific need? And then how does that tie back to us as a business, uh, and us as a product team in advancing, like what we're trying to do. So we're solving a need for our users and customers. And then we're also solving a need for our business and kind of bringing those two things together. So an example, this is kind of a simple thing for uh, a company I used to work for that, uh, you know, we had 
a a product that we were basically uh, relaunching from the ground up. So we were mm-hmm. reworking the entire experience, and it had um, a whole bunch of. Uh, this was basically an investment platform, and so we were uh, reimagining everything about it. But I'm going to focus just on the the onboarding experience. So some choices that users made coming in and specifically whether they wanted to uh, have investment advice or kind of invest mm. themselves and coming into this experience um you know we had some some ideas on what to do but you know we we went out what we did basically was we put together a bunch of mockups and and went out and sat down for a couple of days with actual users and put the mm-hmm. mockups in front of them and uh, envision mockups so they could actually click through yeah. and had them walk through uh, and just click through and do different things. And one thing that we noticed that was a theme throughout this was that in this initial part, they were always getting hung up on the number of choices at the beginning. Mm. Like there were just, there were too many choices and it was, it was confusing yeah. on which direction to take. So we went back and we're like, how, how can we make this, just this part easier and simplify it? And so we went and cause there were multiple choices and multiple directions that they could go. So, and so we went back and, and decided, you know, why not make this just rather than have multiple choices, let's just make it two choices. You, you come into it and you say you either you want to do this yourself or you want help doing it. And you can, from there, make a series of choices. But rather than have people get hung up right in the beginning of, you know, do I want to go this direction, this direction, this direction, or this direction? Just say, you know, I'm comfortable doing this myself and go one direction. Or, yeah, I'm not comfortable, you know, with investing. I actually want some help and go another direction. And that was basically... uh a huge, huge uh, benefit that was, uh, it, it simplified the process and uh, actually improved the overall experience for for users significantly. And it and ended up uh, helping onboarding and getting more people both using both sides of it. So getting invested using the platform and going in both directions. So as we, as we ended up relaunching it. Uh, so that was, that was, an example, a good example for me of um, one, solving a problem, two, relaunching a, a product, and three, kind of simplifying. So it wasn't necessarily about adding new features, but it was about taking what we had and and actually taking away some of the, the choices and saying, we're going to simplify both the experience and not necessarily add new things, but take away some of the things to make it a better uh, a better decision tree or better option for yeah. our users going through. So I think that's what it ultimately came down to is one, make it easier for the users. And then two, that made it just better for the business because more people ended up going through the entire right. process and, and using the product and getting invested. So um, that's uh, hopefully I think a, a good example of getting out there and um, yeah, yeah we, we can talk more about like what makes what helps in this process. Right. But yeah. That's, th- that's some thoughts on features. 
I really like this, uh, this example because you basically just illustrated this beautiful example of a successful, you know, usability testing, um, and then going into getting user data and then making appropriate changes to, like you said, like solve the problems that they're running into. And especially you mentioned it was like in the financial realm of application. Right. And that's where people get nervous, right? And yeah. we have to make it simple for them to make the right choice and empower the users to do the right thing. And I really love this example of what you guys did. Yeah. Applaud, applaud. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and that's um, that was an important part because for some of us, myself included, investing and financial, just financial decisions and financial, just financial stuff in general is, you know, I've been in that world for a long, long time. And so it's not it's not something that is like super scary to me. And so getting out and like understanding how other people view it and how they feel about it, super, super important because I can, it's easy for me to get caught in my own mind and and caught in my own experience of like, Hey, you know, I understand this stuff and like everybody else should too, because I've been in the investment world for like a decade. And so it's like, it's that's easy for me, but like then going out and seeing that people are like even setting up an investment account is like that that can be difficult and a little bit like intimidating and scary. And it's like, okay, other people, even who, you know, should be, you know, who've done this other places or should be somewhat experienced, like that's still an intimidating experience for them. And so how can we take that and make that much, much simpler and take away some of the the options just because, you know, they don't, they don't want all of those options up front. They, not that we don't want to give them all of the options, right. but they don't want to have to make a whole bunch of decisions right up front. They want to, they, they want to say like, I'm trying to solve a, a problem here. And this is mm-hmm. the level of comfort that I have. I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm not comfortable. And okay, now we can right. point you in the right direction and not say, here's the entire range of things, you know, pick where you are on this range. People all of a sudden get like, oh, I don't know exactly where I am on this range. So like right. we need to be the ones like we're the experts. We're going to help guide you through this as opposed to like, here's everything. You know, you need to decide like where exactly you are, even though you may not feel comfortable with, with doing something like that or you. And that was the problem is like a lot of people just, they, they are not the expert. And so they don't want to be the ones who are like, you know, should I be the expert? Should I be the one making all of these, you know, decisions? It's, it's much more about we're, we're the experts. We're the, you know, the, the people offering this, like we can help guide you to the right spot and help, you know, not make the decision for you, but help point you in the right direction and and help say like, depending on where you're at, here's the right options potentially for you. Yeah, that's really cool. And, 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 I don't want to derail where we're at, but definitely you mentioned like kind of uh, the financial, uh, what is that called? I'm missing the word, uh, literacy. Yeah, That's what I was looking for. Removing that barrier of like having 20 choices and mm-hmm. that helps someone, you, you're empowering the users to make the choice that they can make. And like you said, comfortable to make in order to educate them what they're doing too. And I think that's something that is beautiful and really truly solving the problems that they want us off, not just what you want them to off right yeah and so i think that that's like when we look at a a good feature i think that that's a huge part of it is um you know really going and understanding the actual users and knowing like where they're at 
you know, what the, what problems they're trying to solve and like where they're at in an overall experience. And then, uh, you know, where your product is and then understanding all of that and then going out and actually, you know, testing out some, some different things. So, you know, kind of going through, uh, this whole, you know, design thinking and, and, uh, the, the, uh, discovery process that we talk about, like we've talked about in some of our other podcasts and we talk about all the time, that's, I mean, it's just like fundamental to creating a good feature or a good experience is, you know, understanding, um, exploring like some of the, the possibilities and then, you know, creating and implementing those and then, you know, iterating on it. So, uh, I, I think that that's, that's kind of what we were trying to do in this, yeah, in this example. And then, you know, uh, I think that's what makes that's ultimately, I think the best way to make a good feature, a good UX experience. Yeah. I, I think you hit on, actually, I have five points of what I think, um, contribute, uh, contributes to good yeah. usability for a feature. And you kind of touched on definitely the first one, like easy to, to, to use. Yeah. And, and I think like, that's very important again, 20 options versus two options. Mm-hmm. That's a very different, um, um, interaction that you also, also decisions that you're making in your mind, right. If somebody who might not be as educated as you are on the other side of this whole, you know, product. And I think that definitely is one of the five things I'm, I want to bring up is yeah, make it easy to, uh, easy and pleasant to use. Um, and actually there's another point that I also included in my notes too, is that make it easy to remember how to do the thing that they just did. Right. Yeah. And then, like you said, if it's just choices, I'm do- doing it one step at a time and you can go back and forth. Like that's an easy interaction that anyone, like they know exactly, um, how to proceed, how to go back and how to repeat the you know same patterns to confirm a choice or whatever it is. Right. And using mm-hmm. that pattern to make it easy. So that, that's really cool. Yep. And on, on that topic too, and this is when I also, (laughs) since you definitely talked about the process of, you know, usability testing and having a beautiful picture of that whole process. And I really, that, that makes me excited to also hear like, Oh, product product manager doing that too. Like that, that's music to my ear, right? Like any (laughs) person, product designers, like just, yes, let's all get involved. And, um, but the, one, I don't know if you guys ended up tracking any numbers after launch or anything, but um, you touched on the 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 part. Uh, um, I can't remember how you just said it, but having them be able to use this, and I think for a UX person or product designers uh, or researchers, what I'm hearing is that um, you can actually track track the adoption and engagement to kind of support these kind of improvement, the before and after to kind of measure how successful this relaunch is. Right. And, and those are the two metrics that every time, um, well, by every time, I mean, the, <laughs> as I keep coming back to this topic, as we were preparing for this podcast, I was thinking like, I, I really think that adoption and engagement, those are the two metrics I think would be really helpful to evaluate a feature and, did you guys end up tracking anything after the, the relaunch? Yeah, we did. Uh, and it ended up being, uh, it was an increase in like some 30 plus percent of uh, signups and uh, mm. and invested 
uh, accounts or something like that. So it was, uh, it, it was a significant improvement over where we were. Uh, so it was, we ended up doing a whole lot of, uh, tracking and pushing forward. Um, awesome. yeah. So that was the, like all of the improvements and then, uh, going through the entire, basically the entire funnel of, mm-hmm. you know, getting people signed up and then getting them, uh, accounts created and then getting investments and then staying with the investments and all of that. Like there was improvements at every single point in that process. Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. There was something that was on my mind, but anyways. Okay. So what's another example that you think is successful? What else is on your list? I'm curious. All right. So another successful, uh, I wanted to, to kind of touch on, um, kind of two, one that's a little bit older and then you know, we can kind of get into one that's a little bit newer. The idea of uh, stories from from Snapchat. Mm. So this is a little bit older, but has picked up steam, obviously. And I think this is it's an interesting story uh, story about stories. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> so yeah, stories were launched in 2013. So I mean, they've been on they've been around for a long time in Snapchat. And, uh, they, I think from there were mimicked in like Instagram in like Mm. 2016. And then, uh, from there, I think they just ended up in like basically every other app for good and bad. So we'll, we'll put, we'll put that in like the good column as well as the bad column for some, cause I think that there's, yeah, there's some points to be made there. Um, but I think that it's super, super interesting in a couple regards, because I think, you know, for those, probably every, everybody listening probably knows about stories at this point, but stories are, uh, the, like within Snapchat or within other social media, um, platforms are, are basically, um, like pictures or other, you know, or videos or other, you know, types of media that you can put into, uh, your, like your, your Snapchat or your Instagram or your Facebook, uh, that are, that will stay there for some short period of time, uh, like usually like 24 hours and then disappear. So it's very, very, um, like temporary. It's meant to be like very much in the moment. And I think that going along very much with Snapchat's, uh, just overall ethos, um, they were, they caught on to this idea of, you know, not everything needs to be permanent. And, uh, it was very much in tune both with what they were doing with their other products, you know, this idea of like disappearing Mm -hmm. photos, uh, as well as what their customers and users were looking for. So being able to put, um, no, not just like person to person messaging, but also being able to just put out uh, other forms of media for, you know, for yes. people to see, but keep it very, very temporary and, uh, you know, have it you know disappear after a short period of time. This idea that not everything has to be permanent and, you know, s- stay around for every, forever. Uh, and I thought that that, it just, it really, uh, it, it seemed like a very, very strange thing in the, in the mm-hmm. beginning, but I think that they just, they understood who their users were and they understood mm-hmm. where the, 
I think the overall like ethos of uh, the market and where people were yeah. going was too. And so having that understanding uh, of not just where things would go, but then also being able to kind of drive towards that in creating this new uh, format basically for yeah. you know, putting content out there of you know being very, very temporary and in the moment type stuff that would then disappear. So, right. and then I think we can see just how successful it ultimately was just in the fact that literally every social media oh my God. Uh, platform copied yes. for, for I, better or worse. I, <laughs> I think that it's a great, I think, honestly, I think it's a great format, like to be able to put out just like temporary stories mm-hmm. and, and be able to be like very in the moment. This is like, it doesn't have to be like a polished type thing. I think that makes sense in a lot of different places and a lot of different formats. It doesn't make sense in some places though. So like LinkedIn, oh, we're looking I'm at so you. Glad. Like, um, thank you. Yes. <laughs> like, okay. Pet peeve, like, or not pet peeve, but like <sighs> slight rant, like the, the crap gripe. that we put on, Link- yeah, the, the crap that we put on LinkedIn, like it's meant to be permanent. Like I only put, I put stuff on LinkedIn cause I want, <laughs> I want you to go out there and I want you to look at it. Like all the stuff that we're putting on there is like, it's like brag stuff. It's like, Hey, you know, I'm being all professional and like, look at this stuff that I'm reading or that I'm doing, yes. or like we put our podcast up there. We put like, I put my newsletter up there. Like we put stuff up there and that's like for, that's for each other. Like we're all putting it up there. Cause it's yes. like, Hey, we're professional. I don't want that stuff to go away. Like that's meant for you to go back and look at like, um, so I don't know what sort of temporary stuff like right. I would be putting on LinkedIn. So I'd be super interested in understanding like why, w- like what stories are doing on there other than it's just like a me too type feature. But anyway, I think they make a lot of sense in other places like uh, Instagram and Facebook and, and whatnot. But anyway, and, and obviously Snapchat like that. I mean, I mean, snap is a perfect place for, for very uh, temporary and, and, and disappearing type content. But anyway, yeah. So, okay. There is so much I want to say in this, but <laughs> I just want to make it clear that I'm a social media observer. I don't really participate that much. And then <laughs> this is the podcast I keep like going to the other world and express my thoughts on the other things that is maybe a little bit outside of UX, but um, it, I really think it was brilliant when it started happening. And I, I, I want to complain about, yeah, I agree with you with the LinkedIn thing. Like, why do we need that moment type bite size, you know, day in the life type interaction on LinkedIn, right? Because it makes sense for Instagram, makes sense for Snapchat and all the other social media that is uh, basically there to support the, uh, may I call it the social, uh, parasocial relationship Mm -hmm. with influencers and whoever, whatever personalities or people in your life that you want to follow. And because it really reinforces the, oh, you're, we're friends because you know exactly what I'm doing. And, oh, this is so relatable, blah, blah, blah. And then it's, Stories are basically, like you said, the moments, right? Mm-hmm. Versus the posts are more an event happening and they design it to f- feed into that, that the needs of, of the users, right? Of wanting those smaller bite-sized, more instant, more casual type, but definitely way too many stories floating around nowadays. And <laughs> I don't know why Twitter is doing it. Also, why is Twitter calling their story? Uh, what is that? Fleet? Oh, yeah. Because everything has to be a... And- eat with, uh, with Twitter. 
I think there was a great there was a great thread going on where they were naming all of the Twitter features. Uh, I'll have to I'll have to dig that one up. But they had a long running list of features that were all along those same lines. And it was I mean, it was going on forever, basically like stealing every other product out there and renaming it for Twitter. Uh, And it was was great. Oh, yeah. Um, Please share. Um, We'd love to to see that. that And speaking of this like professional world, how in that social media world, how do you treat, you know, stories, right? LinkedIn, I don't know what you're doing. Please explain to me. Yeah, um, please. I, it feels weird, right? And even the, even the posts on, on LinkedIn, kind of like you said, it goes into this weird realm of people bragging about what they're doing. Or sometimes it's very much, um, what is that? There's a specific term. I woke up too early. Cannot remember any terms today, but the way they want you to feel emotional about something that I think it's more for marketing versus a genuine post. You know, does it make sense? And it's yeah. all over LinkedIn. I don't know what's going on there. I don't post on LinkedIn. And when I see our podcast, that's the only one thing I care about. And I, that's it. But I, um, I hate, I hate those. I hate the LinkedIn posts. Like I, I don't, I want to make fun of them. Like I want to do some posts like that just to make fun of them to be like, you know, I woke up crying today Enter, like, <laughs> return, 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 return. And then yes. because I, you know, I read a whole bunch of LinkedIn posts that use this exact format and it and made the me just, more. yeah. And then it just made me cry because, you know, it's the same format over and over and over again. And, you know, that sort of thing, because I mean, that's what it is. It's like emotional Ta- emotional one-liner at the top yeah. so you have to click it to open clickbait and, yeah that's what i was looking yeah. for yes and then here is the the story once you click it open i that's just yeah drives me crazy but that's pretty much all linkedin right oh, now but sure. yeah i i mean i do share i share a podcast on there pretty much every time and then share a newsletter my news the newsletter right about but that's meaningful it is that's meaningful yeah I and to. can i bring up another example of these weird stories that I don't know what to do with is, um, uh, this one makes a little more sense than LinkedIn, but, um, anyone who is in the design world, you know, Behance, sometimes yeah. I'll call it Behance, eh? And so Behance, <laughs> they have also stories, but they're focusing on more like work in progress, something that is not complete, right? Something that just a s- snapshot of what you're doing right now. That makes a little more sense to me. But when it first came out, I, I, I remember feeling, feeling like this is so jarring. Why is, why is this happening? And and I think it maybe just me. I don't know if you feel the same way when you see on Dribble or Behance or Pinterest of, of someone else's very shiny work, because they're all very tangible, right? Yeah. And in, in your face of like, look at this really cool thing that I was able to convince my convince first my CEO we should do or the clients to pay a bazillion bazillion dollars for for this thing, right? Yeah. And that's not easy. That's the part of work that doesn't get shown in front of you yep. on Behance or LinkedIn or whatever, but that, you know, that happens behind the scene. And I am always like, how did this happen? Would love to do that one day anyways. And then this story thing happened on, on, uh, Behance. And I was like, Oh no, there's all even more of people flexing how cool they are <laughs> professionally. And maybe I'm just jealous, but I definitely, definitely, um, support this this um more than linkedin and i think a lot of people also put a lot more work into the behance type story since it's you know professional versus a story in your instagram those are a lot more casual right so that's 
yeah, that's my little complaint. Yeah. <laughs> and also a confession of how I'm jealous about everyone's work in progress on Behance looking really cool. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I think yeah. it's such an interesting topic. Um, the whole story phenomenon, can we call it phenomenon? Yeah, it is. Trend. It is. Yeah. Yep. The, the story is super <laughs> interesting and I'll, I'll just caveat like not, no, I, I don't want to like bash everybody on like their LinkedIn posts. Cause some of them are really good. Like we had Rachel on recently. Yeah. Hers was, her story was awesome. Yes. Uh, we just, there's just way too many like clickbaity ones on there where they like, they're not meaningful stories. They just like, they bait you into it with like their first line. And then oh. it's like, Oh, this story is just like not very good. And they just, they baited me into it with like their first <laughs> line and then like put a whole bunch of space there. So you had to like click it to open and they're like, ah, oh, this anyway, but yeah, the stories, uh, s- super interesting. Um, and I think that it's, it, it goes back to kind of like, I think really understanding users and understanding market and understanding your company, like all of these things coming together into uh, a really cohesive feature of, you know, what do we want to put together and how to make this successful. And I think it was really, really successful for, for both Snap oh, yeah. and, and then for other companies as well. Uh, not so much like LinkedIn. I'd, I'd be super interested to uh, see like what the stats are on on that. Um, but again, I think it makes sense for for other social media companies to copy. But now that uh, we're back on the serious note, I do want to ask the question. I don't know if we are able to answer this today right now, but let's say if the stats and high engagement, people are posting on there, let it be, I, I don't know, like marketers posting these <laughs> clickbaity stories or whatever it is. Like, I, I do wonder how does that fit into your product vision of putting out this feature in LinkedIn, right? Like what does that give to your users? Cause a lot of the posts like are not genuine, right? Like they're marketing campaign. They're mm-hmm. not genuine. Like the one Good example. The one that, like you said, Rachel posted, that's genuine. That's a real moment of someone's professional life that, that everyone, you know, should again, go look at it. And, um, but what, yeah, what does that give you in the long run of the product vision? I thought I'm curious about how does that fit into that, the direction? Yeah. So yeah. Super interesting. And yeah. Is it just, is it like a, a me too type thing to have, or does it fit meaningfully into like the overarching direction? Right. The overarching direction of the product and where it's going. Cause I, I think that those are two different things. Like if it's, cause I, I think some things are like a table stakes type feature. And then some things are like, do we, do we really need this? And does it fit into what we're doing? And if not, then, um, you know, should, should you really have it? I mean, probably nothing right. wrong with experimenting, but like, if you really look at something, it's oh, like, yeah. does this, does this really fit into what we're doing or, you know, should we, should we take a different approach and, and really, you know, try and make something that is unique and applicable to like our business and our users yes. and make it like meaningful in some no way. End, yeah. Yeah. Cause and uh, I think otherwise, that, it, Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to bring up that it goes back to the original, you know, where we started is that, is it solving the right problem for, mm-hmm. for your users? Right. Like, uh, again, we don't know. It, maybe it is for the LinkedIn stories. <laughs> we are just the two people that don't find it useful, right? But is it solving the right problem? Does it have to be a feature that you add just because everyone is doing it and you have to do it, right? Because LinkedIn is seen as a social media thing. And does that mean you have to do it, right? And again, I don't have the right answer or, or even know what their 
product visionist and tweet at me if LinkedIn, if you're listening, LinkedIn CEO specifically <laughs> or product manager. Um, I, I would love to know. And, but I do, I'm glad that you brought up like, yeah, experiment and, and find out what your users want, you know, while being faithful to your product vision. Um, so I think, I think it's very interesting, but yeah, just because you want to do it, does it have to be a feature in your product? Yeah. Should it be <laughs> anyways? Yeah. Yep. And that, um, that kind of brings up for me another inter- like super interesting one that I've been thinking a lot about is uh, Clubhouse and audio spaces uh, because I think that that is it's a super super hot one. I think it's for me it's basically like the new stories, which are kind of like a visual. Um, I don't I don't know if it's a new stories or not, but it's a similar. I think I it's going to be a similar though. story yeah. uh, to that with much faster like adoption and copying across everything, uh, and you've already seen it like Clubhouse is here and it is, you know, basically audio chat rooms and, you know, where people can get on board and, you know, have discussions. And I mean, you've already seen a roll, similar things roll out across Twitter. You have Twitter spaces. Uh, I think Reddit has something, um, you know, discord has been, has been doing something similar and is, I think, Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. uh, I th- I think I'm I'm not as familiar with them, but I know Facebook is moving. Tweet at us. Yeah, swiftly into into something similar. Um, so I mean, like rapidly. Whereas like stories took you know seven years for everybody to kind of move in that direction. It's probably going to be like within a year, everybody having their their okay. version of audio uh, spaces within like social <sighs> media. So. That's interesting. And it, oh, okay. So I want to talk about this before I forget. So <laughs> I'm glad you brought up the example of Clubhouse where that kind of, so Clubhouse, I, I don't have an account on there. I got invited, didn't join Clubhouse. Uh, I don't need another social media. That's my <laughs> personal lifestyle that I subscribe to, but um because Clubhouse is basically turning what, you know, a uh, story, because we're, we're talking about story as a feature. And then now this, what we are seeing as a feature turned into an actual, you know, a product by itself, right? Because mm-hmm. Th- that's what Clubhouse is. is just these bite-sized audio that come, you know, together as a conversation, as a thread, right? That, I, I'm understanding Clubhouse correctly, right? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's kind of... Right yeah. now, it's like multiple different things, as, as I see it. Like, it's... Oh, interesting. It's almost like a place for like live podcasts, basically. So that's like one avenue of it. Like you can get on and have like a podcast or a panel discussion, but it's live and and people join the audience and just listen. It's a place for like panels too. Like you can have people coming and going and doing panels. It's also a place just for discussions um, where you can get people together, audio only discussions and chats and things like that. And then another avenue is like a call in almost like radio. Mm. So like a talk radio type thing. Full circle. We're coming yeah, back to yeah. the radio. So, so, I mean, Clubhouse itself as a, a product is all of, I think it, in all of these different spaces, I think some of them are, are more compelling than others in my mind. But the idea of the audio discussion uh, for me, like as a feature, and I think that right. that's where it's going. Um, you know, Clubhouse as a company, I think is like one discussion. I think it's interesting. I think there's going to be like a whole bunch of things happening there over the next little while, like as they, you know, figure out their 
overall strategy and like and what happens i think there's like some good cases and bad cases to be made for like where they go and and what like what happens but the audio space in general i think super interesting as far as like bringing people together for discussions um the live podcast for me is more difficult just because it's i don't know that i think asynchronous is makes still makes more sense though there's some you know some Mm. benefit of live but like bringing people together for an actual discussion like just you know if you want to pull right a group and, and be like hey let's let's chat in some way like hey we are a group of you know science fiction fans and oh you know, we're gonna that get, sounds lovely yeah we're gonna just get together and talk about a you know a science fiction book and you you know say you're in a subreddit of science fiction fans it's like hey it happens that we're all reading this book let's just Mm-hmm. Let's do an audio space or, you know, whatever Reddit's yeah. version is or Twitter's spaces or that sort of thing. So right. not kind so much of like, like a round table of all people of the same interest. Yeah, right? exactly. So not yeah. so much like one person who's like the panelist or the expert um, who's just talking at everybody, um, though that's one side of it. But like bringing together all of these people, not so much in like right. written format, but audio format, like that's. That's super that's compelling to me. And I think that that's going to be something that goes forward across all social media platforms. And I'll be interested in how that kind of plays out. But I, as a feature, I think mm-hmm. that that is super compelling. And I think that everybody, uh, I think all of the social media platforms see that in various aspects. And I, I'm, I'm excited to kind of see that. That might be a little yeah. bit off off of some of our topic, but I, (laughs) today is off the rails. Yeah. As a feature, (laughs) I think that that is, uh, something that is, uh, I I feel like it's really touched on a, like a need for people to, um, you know, have discussions and talk and just be together. I think we have that in like a very written way. Like you have groups and you have subreddits and you have things like that, but to like come together in like a discussion format uh is just something that like we don't i mean you have you can have like discord uh servers and discord rooms and um different things like that but it's just it's i don't think i don't think it's quite as accessible yet but i feel like it's on the cusp of becoming very very accessible in very meaningful ways across a whole bunch of different platforms and that is Maybe something somewhat pandemic induced, but probably something a long time coming as well. Right. And I think with the rise of podcasts, Mm -hmm. uh, when I say the rise, it didn't happen like yesterday, right? I cannot tell you exactly what year, but uh, in the past like four or five years, I think that's when it, to me, in my world, uh, became more and more of a normal, you know, medium, uh, mainstream even. Because nowadays, like when you talk about podcasts, like everyone knows what that means versus like maybe 10 years ago when you yeah. talk about yep. podcasts, people like recorded radio program. <laughs> what are you talking about? Anyways, and the audio format is interesting too, because I think that removes a lot of the uh, requirements in other social media format where you don't have to show your face and mm-hmm. also you do not have to know how to read and, and it definitely um, make, it makes it a lot more accessible as you know, a channel to participate for anyone to participate and also for someone to voice their opinion and have a discussion without all the other, you know, requirements. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I think it's very interesting, but I 
at one point you kind of mentioned like, oh, is Instagram or other social media going to adopt that strategy and have some, you know, audio only type feature? I, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious. But that also, uh, this is when I'm going to try to segue because I did have this on my mind when I was going through my preparation is that there are just so many things you can do in your product and how many features do you actually need in a product versus making your core product actually, you know, valuable to to your users and make it meaningful. Right. And that, I don't know if you agree with me, but I definitely <laughs> have this experience where it's, so this is where I'm going. When there are too many features and it feels overwhelming to not, really feel like this is uh, a easy to use product. It's not efficient for me to do because I have to decide what feature I actually am using for this one task I'm doing. That's when I'm like, "Mm -mm, you have gone too far with features. Cut some of these features and just make your core product like useful. And I'm calling out my... Uh, I don't have it anymore. My Samsung Samsung uh, Galaxy. It's a physical product. I understand, but um, any of the Galaxy phones I've had in the past, I just always felt like they had so many bells and whistles. But <laughs> everything was just so much. And I'm a minimalist when it comes to my gadgets. I feel like then that's why I love my Pixel mm-hmm. phone because my Pixel phone just does everything I needed to do. And I know Google Google themselves have you know they have a bazillion different products and features and they don't know what they're doing with some of the products, (laughs) but the pixel as a phone itself, again, we're going into another realm after we have this social media topic. Um, I I really felt that way with my Samsung galaxy phone. And, and on the other side, um, there is this digital product. I truly feel like it doesn't have too many features and the feel that they do have. And the, the actual core product actually is, just perfect, just right. Is Todoist? Mm-hmm. I know, I know you like Todoist, right? I'm a I, big fan. I've I've used it. I don't use it too extensively, but yeah, yeah. And and one feature I definitely want to call out is the um, when you I don't know what they call it internally, but I'm just gonna say the the date and the due date. Mm-hmm. So you're able to you know punch in. I have to record a podcast with Kyle. And I have to do preparation and then punch in, oh, prepare podcast, right? By, let's say, Friday, 8 p.m. I can just type in by Friday, 8 p.m. And it sets that as the due date. It's the most like human-like <laughs> interaction with um, a digital product you can get because it's literally, you're literally telling the product what to do and it does it. Yeah. And it just sets up the right date, right time. And it tells me when it's near time or when it's overdue, whatever. I, I love it. Um, that's a very helpful feature. And that as a feature doesn't feel like there is uh, a risk or or that I'm able to explore how to use it without uh, having to commit to a lot of uh, work to undo it, if that makes sense. And yeah. that makes it very, very easy to use. And I love... oh there's a term for this, um, safe exploration. Mm-hmm. And I think it, that's one of the best things that you can offer to users when you put, put out a new feature is during their onboarding, whatever, tell them how to undo or how to explore your new features. Because first of all, people are not in your product trying to learn how to use your product. They're in your product trying to do whatever they need to do. Right. And as you know, loyal as your users are, I mean, of course, if you have high lo- uh, user loyalty, they're more willing to learn, but that shouldn't be 
the primary goal of why they're in your product or they wouldn't want to come in to just learn how to use your product or your new feature, right? Um, and I think Todo has, uh, has done a great job in all the aspects that I've just talked about. And again, just love that due date thing that I can do. Yeah. 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 I think there's definitely something to be said for like, what is the fundamental vision and strategy of something and like where some of these things fit. So, and that kind of goes back to like where, like if you're going to adopt some of these features like stories or audio spaces, things like that, where does it fit into the overarching vision and strategy? Like, I think it makes sense for a Facebook to Mm -hmm. like have some of those things. If like the overarching uh, vision is to bring people together in in moments and in different ways, like in interests and things like that. Like, I mean, honestly, one of the best things about Facebook is uh, is I think their groups, which um, is bringing <laughs> bringing like people of yes. like interest into into kind of communities. And I see something like that, like audio spaces, like if you're in a group of science fiction uh, book fans, then being able to like go into an audio discussion of something like that. Like that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Same with like Reddit. Like if you're in a subreddit of the same thing, like, uh, you know, science fiction book fans, then you can, you know, go into some sort of audio discussion space and do something like that. So like, you know, making sure it fits within the overall vision and strategy of what you're doing. Whereas like, do, you know, does something like that make sense in other formats and if not then are you just like adding like me too type features to your product rather than keeping it like simplified and pointed towards like what your ultimate goal is as opposed to just like oh everybody's got this feature like let's add it and you know we're just gonna add a whole bunch of features because at that point like you said you just you have a whole bunch of features and then like what, what do we do with all yeah. of these things? Like, I don't think right. any platform can be the everything platform. I think everybody wants to, everybody wants their platform to be the everything platform. I think that's a terrible, terrible strategy. More is not better. No. Right. And then usually your users don't have that many goals coming into uh, by, by that many. I mean, you know what your users want. And then yeah. sometimes there are features that add benefits to like, oh, something they haven't thought about that they might need. But for example, like, oh, this is actually a good one. I think the Fitbit, the sleep tracking feature is not something that I knew about before I committed to the product. But then it's like, oh, when I find out that it ha- has that and I'm like, oh, great. that That's an added benefit versus like, oh, well, anyways. Uh, yeah, I agree with what you said, but yeah. Cool. All right. I'm going to give a, a bad example here because I think like seeing the the inverse of this will be really great. And this comes from a few years ago and it is uh, Facebook Home. So I don't know if any, anybody remembers Facebook Home. If you don't, here's just like a quick refresher. Uh, and this is bad product. So this is bad product, bad feature ideas. Uh, so Facebook home was like a skin over your Android device. If anybody remembers, so this was like, yeah, this was back when everybody was kind of like doing their own phone version type thing. Um, and it was meant to basically like reskin your phone as a Facebook type phone. So they weren't launching their own phone, but they were launching like a, um, 
a, a basically you could download it and it would uh, download the app and it would basically turn your phone into almost like a Facebook type phone. So it would be really all around Facebook experience. And they did have a couple of phones that were like launching with Facebook home as like the main, I don't want to say like OS cause it was on Android, but it was the main launcher for everything. So as opposed mm-hmm. to like Android, you could do this. And I think there are still other launchers out there that you can do if you, if you don't like the one that you have, but anyway, um, there, so Facebook did this and, uh, it was a, I think it was a total flop and kind of disaster. <laughs> and the reason why is super fascinating, uh, because they, what they did was they, uh, it basically Facebook home took away like all of your widgets, all of your like folders and stuff replaced it with all like Facebook stuff. So you've got your friends, you got your pictures, you got all the it's Facebook stuff. They tested it. It, on iPhones and iPhone users. So people who were not accustomed at the time to having widgets, to having all of these things, but then they launched it on Android phones. So Android users pretty much roundly rejected it because they lost access to all of this stuff that they were very, very accustomed to, but they had tested it with all iPhone users and what? iPhone people who were not never accustomed to having all of the things that Android users had. So like there was, I think a much bigger dichotomy between Android and iPhone at the time. And so in taking Oof. away all of that, that I remember I downloaded, downloaded uh, Facebook home at the time. Cause I, I mean, I've always been big into like what's new and, and that sort of stuff. I uh, tried it out, like uh, had to like reskin my phone and all of that sort of stuff just to to see what it was like. It was very, very Facebook heavy. And uh, like it, you lost a lot of uh, the ability to do stuff. And it felt like very, very constricted and constraining. It was like, you know, how am I supposed to do all of these other things? How did I miss this? Yeah. Um, and most people just uh, did not like it. And And from an article... It was, uh, yeah, like the pretty much Facebook's developers and employees were naive to it because they were iPhone users. So that was, uh, they overwrote people's widgets, docs, folders, and uh, <laughs> didn't realize that that would be a huge problem because they they were not Android phone users. So super, super interesting wow. lesson on understanding your your actual users in launching a new feature or new product in this case. Uh, Because if you don't, then you will inadvertently create an experience that they do not want. Uh, If you think that you create, if you're creating something that uh, is geared towards, you know, one set of users in this case, more built around iPhone (laughs) and then launch it on, on Android phones. That is so crazy to me. I don't know how I missed this whole, uh, can I call it a debacle? Is that the right way to use that word? Um, That is insane. Insane that I also like missed this whole thing. That's, I've never heard of this. And I'm frantically like Googling as you're talking about it and watching a YouTube video of like the interface. And I know, yeah, that's so crazy. Um, What a lesson. And I almost want to get the benefit of the doubt for the team that actually worked on it. I I mean, 
there's no way everybody on the team like just yeah that's a great idea and let's at first test with one group that has you know very different behavior patterns than the group that we're actually launching this to and why why who said yes to that right and i know this happens all the time i suspect that this is one of those things where the whatever higher ups or <laughs> kind of came up with this idea and like, let's do it and then nobody can say no because i don't believe that everybody on the team would have believed this was going to work i don't know kyle but this yeah. what an example yeah Su- super interesting um but it's i i'm i mean i think it goes back to why you need i mean ultimately just need good product and ux to go through and figure out like is this I mean, is this going to work again for the business, for our users? Like it just doesn't make sense. Cause I mean, I don't think a Facebook home, especially at the time, like, I mean, Facebook was still massively, massively dominant in 2013. Like when, when they were doing this, like everybody's on Facebook. And so to have something that it doesn't necessarily like reskin and take over your whole phone, but possibly like just adds another layer of Facebook onto your phone could, I mean, could have been like something that, that a lot of people got on board with if it didn't uh, take away everything else. Like if it, if it just like reskinned your lock screen to give you like Facebook stuff or, you know, added an additional, I mean, I I don't even know all the ways, but adds an additional uh, home screen or something that's just like completely Facebook dedicated or something like that. Like just yeah. small incremental things, but doesn't, um, you know, take away all of your the whole world, your, your whole world <laughs> and, and kind of completely change the experience of your phone, which is just a bit too dramatic, which I think are the things that you would probably come to realize if you do enough, uh, understanding of who your potential users are and then like right. testing of, you know, is this, is this working out? Like are, are people yeah. on board with it as opposed to like, we're just going to launch this sucker and, and see how it goes. Right. And then this goes back to what I mentioned earlier too. Like it doesn't sound like there's room for you to do a safe exploration to kind of test out what this does. And it just kind of takes over and that's, your commitment that there. Um, And also I think it's interesting that the name of this thing is called Facebook home, right? It's Mm -hmm. not home by Facebook. To me, that makes a big difference too, because immediately when you first mentioned like Facebook home, I'm like, Oh, okay. That's literally Facebook, Facebook's home, not so much my entire home by Facebook. Right. And this is very different expectations from how you describe it to what I initially understand by hearing the name. And I think that probably contributes to part of how people expect it to do one thing and it takes over your whole world. And then you're like, wait a minute, this is not what I wanted to do. And this goes back to this, um, yeah, safe exploration. Also, I want to point out, um, I basically just described the perceived affordances, right? Like what you expect this thing mm. to do versus what it actually does. But sounds like a disaster. Yep. Um, yeah. Another one of those. There, there've been a lot of phone, you know, bad phone plays over the years, but that was, that was one of them. I thought it was super interesting, yeah. especially going yeah. along our lines with good features and, and bad yeah. features. So that there you go that's so crazy yeah i do think the, the mobile app 
space is so competitive. It's social media that they're scary. Yeah. It's a lot of fighting going on and who's losing the users (laughs) (laughs) in a way. I, I, I think that's, true in, in certain ways, but that's another six hours that we can go into. Um, that's wow. How do we move on from here? <laughs> it's just, but I really love that example of a bad and successful features. And, and it's not even a good idea to begin with. I almost <laughs> feel like I, here's the thing back then. I remember I had, I had a launcher to kind of take over the you know the interface and the oper- the operation of my phone in a way um kind of the same idea as what facebook home is was trying to do but um yeah it's that's so bizarre i don't understand why they even tried that besides taking over your world yeah right. why would a social media I, I just wouldn't want my facebook thing to do that <sighs> wow right yeah, I, I, I don't know if you can tell, like the whole time when you were talking about it, my face was just like, what? <laughs> Anyways, do you have more examples that we should go through? This one is no. pretty bonkers. <laughs> yeah, no, well, that, there we go. We'll leave it at that for examples for today. We, we may, we could probably put together a whole nother episode of like interesting examples of good products and, and bad products and why, but yeah. I think, uh, I think that's probably good for for my examples today. I don't know if you had any others. My brain just broke hearing that <laughs> story, especially like Facebook is one to, you know, they're not afraid to experiment that right. I know, but at the same time, I, I did not know. I think part of me just shocked that I did not know about this whole thing. Right. But yep. at the same time, I also am not heavy on social media, as you can tell, because you will see Kyle posting a lot more than I do. I do not post anywhere, which <laughs> sorry guys, tweet at me if you want, but that's it. I don't really participate much in the internet on the internet. Um, should we head into our other corner? Do you have anything to add to our topic today about successful and unsuccessful features? I think that's pretty much it. It you know it really comes down to understanding the the users, trying to explore different ideas and then, you know, creating the right solutions and, and iterating on it. So a lot of the topics that we talk about frequently, but if you, if you try and jump past some of those things in any of the different ways, so not understanding your users or your market or your company or the product vision or strategy, and then don't do the right exploration and experimentation. I feel like you can mm-hmm. end up with the wrong types of features right. and products as we've kind of seen. So don't do it. Preached. Yeah. Yep. I want to kind of just quickly, I guess, fire around, go down the list of my five points to, I guess, maintain usability for yeah. features that we're building to make sure it's successful. Um, this is quick. So make sure it's easy for someone to try it, to learn it. And however you introduce your, um, new feature, make sure you also mentioned how to turn it, turn it off, how to undo it and make sure that it is, um, upfront. It's not somewhere super hidden, how to turn off certain features. Not everyone need your features and, um, make sure it's efficient to, to, to use. And once they have, you know, learned how to use it, they should be able to repeat, you know, how they use it and, and, and come back to it easily. Um, 
I mean, that also goes back to like, make sure it's not complicated. And then also Kyle, your example at the beginning of, oh, two choices versus 24 choices. Like that is a good example of making something easy to use and um, make sure they know where it is to, to use your new feature. Because next time when they come back to your product, they need to know how to get back to it (laughs) and also make sure that there's not any uh, big mistake that they can make or errors that they can run into in your new features. And if they don't know how to use it, um, and then that goes back to, you know, how to onboard somebody to your new features, right? And if they don't know how to use it and keep running into errors, then and they don't know why it's not working, people are going to stop using it. Um, And lastly, make sure that it's fulfilling a purpose to what the users want it to do. So the end. Um, and one last thing I almost forgot. Oh, I, I, how could I forget about this? There's one last thing I want to mention is that oftentimes uh, UX people, product designers, um, product managers, please, you have heard this before. You have seen people say that is such a nice UX feature. Hmm. <laughs> and that is silly, right? Cause full sentence that's like, Oh, that is such a nice user experience feature. We do not, you know, just offer experience through features. Features are one of the many things people touch and interact with in your product. And Kyle, you mentioned this one thing when we were working together that stuck with me, uh, probably will till the end of days is that um, doesn't matter if you're intentionally designing an experience or not, there is an experience coming out of it. Right. So there's not (laughs) one feature that you're delivering your experience through your entire product, what it's doing, the entire journey, that is how they are, you know, experiencing your product. So there's no such thing as one individual feature to elevate the experience. Right. It gives meaning to, to, to your product, but there's no such thing as a UX feature. You cannot do good user experience through just, oh, this is the one feature that will give you good experience. That sounds silly, right? There's no such thing. And yeah, so that's, I feel like an old grandma always complaining about like people and stuff, but yep. yeah, that is everything I have to say about features for, for now. And should we talk about uh, our, well, we, we, I feel like we had a lot of shout outs and drives <laughs> today, but um, any, any, anything you want to shout out I'll, for I'll let, today? I'll let you or go. No, you go ahead. <laughs> okay. I want to do a shout out for Typeform. Um, mm. This is a product that I think is getting more and more presence on the internet. Um, it's literally just forms, but yep. better. And I, Actually, I thought it was going to be one of those like kind of indie products when I when I first uh-huh. saw it that it's like a niche group of people will see it. But at the same time, I'm like, it's been a l- long time coming. I, I don't know if there were other products that, you know, did this, but not as successful or just didn't come into my world. But I really love that you can just control it through the keyboards because, yes, hit one and then enter and then you type in and more and then hit enter and it goes by so much faster than... I don't know, even Google form. I don't know. Yep. It's, it's night and day. I love type form and, um, super simple. You also can build in logic jumps and all, all that other stuff. And it looks great. And it looks easy. That's one of the biggest thing is that I don't want my users or myself to go into a form and just feel like, okay, now I have to look at 35 questions. I know survey monkey kind of cha- uh, prov- 
they, they have this feature to do a different view of how you want to ask questions and you can do also like a chat bubbles, all these different styles. I, I, I love all of it, but type form, um, um, I believe is cheaper than survey monkey. Don't quote me on that one, but yeah. I, I do like how easy it is to, um, set it up. looks great. And their default, uh, theming also looks great. So the end. Nice. What do you have this week? Gosh, I don't, I don't think I have anything to add to that. So good. We just love Todoist. That can be your shout out because I just want everyone to use Todoist. Yeah. Would you like to give me a spot to Todoist? Sure. That that works. I don't, I don't use Extensa. I have used it, but I know everybody who does use it, um, loves it. I was actually on a panel this week. So, um, and, uh, yeah, so just insert that in there. I was on a panel talking about, (laughs) uh, uh, office and mobile and and things like that. And so, you know, maybe we'll throw the link in there if if folks want to check out the recording, but, um, yeah, there was uh, one of the panelists, uh, was talking about Todoist and how much she loves it. So for users of Todoist, I know that they're just, they're passionate about it. So, yes. Yeah, I don't think I'm ever that excited about telling someone about a product. I mean, I generally don't really feel that excitement in life about a lot of things. <laughs> but um, this is one of the few. And wait, Kyle, you need to just say say out loud. What was the uh, was it a webinar that you were doing? Yeah. Or? So yeah, it was a webinar panel on um, mobile. Uh, will I think the t- the official title was Will Mobile Stay Mobile and mm. re- uh, the, oh, let me just look it up. Uh, will mobile stay mobile? The future of productivity in a post COVID world. So I have the link to that, but yeah, we talked, there were a couple panelists from, uh, one from, uh, myself, one from, uh, artist crowdfunded exchange, one from Amazon and one from Tenuity. So yeah, we talked about, uh, productivity and mobile and, whole bunch of different topics but yeah it's a good discussion so maybe i'll drop that in the show notes and folks can check it out sweet congrats i didn't even know that you were yeah always be plugging too always yeah always always be plugging yep um everyone go check it out and do you have anything you want to add no i think that's good perfect and I guess this is goodbye. And um, I know this episode feels very off the rails, but I really love the discussion we have. Uh, and see you guys next week. See ya. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can find out more about us and our podcast on our website at productbydesign.co. You can also follow us on Twitter at prod by design that's at prod underscore by underscore design you can follow me on twitter at kyle larry evans and you can also find eva on twitter at yon chow chow see you next time